Let's sit together. Just let your body relax. Let your posture be lifted up. Breathe in and out through your nostrils. Let your hands just rest comfortably in your lap. You don't want to have them clenched together. You want everything to just loosen up. Everything should feel more and more relaxed as you sit. Sometimes we get really tense. That doesn't work with meditation. We need to relax and let go. We always use the breath as our anchor. So whenever your mind becomes distracted and your thoughts will pull you away, that's natural and normal. But whenever you notice it, that's when the teaching begins. And when you notice you're becoming distracted, you can come back to your breath. Just breathe in. And as you breathe out, just let go. Breathe in peace and then let go. We begin our practice with metta, which is loving kindness loving-friendliness. And then we move into mindfulness practice. So we always begin by sending good wishes, good thoughts, thoughts of loving-kindness to ourselves first of all. We need to have that foundation of caring for ourselves, loving ourselves, before we're able to reach out and love others or care about others. We need to know what it feels like and how important it is. So send these good thoughts to yourself. You can use your own words. May I be well and feel filled with well-being. May I be contented. And may I know moments of joy and happiness. May I feel safe in this chaotic world. And may I be at peace. Peace with myself and with the world. Keep sending yourself these thoughts, sending kindness and friendliness to yourself, goodwill. We are our own refuge. 
May I be filled with well-being. May I be content. May I feel safe in this world. And may I be at peace. There may be times when you want to stay just with this part of metta. Your practice may help you if you're going through a rough time. Sometimes we beat on ourselves a lot. We judge ourselves. We're unforgiving with ourselves. And metta is a way to begin to let go of that. Sometimes you might want to stay just sending these good thoughts to yourself. But as we begin to move through the process and begin to start loving ourselves, then we can reach out and radiate out this quality to others. So the next group we look at are our loved ones, our family members, our really close friends, our noble friends. May my loved ones be well and filled with well-being. May my loved ones be contented and have times of joy and happiness. May my loved ones feel safe in the world. And may they live in peace. And just say these expressions using your own words in your head. Don't get caught up or distracted by thoughts. And don't, don't think we're trying to fix anybody's problems. We're sending them our good wishes. We're sending them, sending them our blessings. Just see their faces. And now think of a stranger. You might think, think of someone you saw this morning coming here or coming into the building who you didn't know at all. But you can imagine their face. A stranger is just someone, a friend we haven't met yet. 
So think of a stranger and send metta to them as well. They're another human being experiencing life just like you are, just like I am. May my stranger be filled with well-being May this person be content with joy and happiness in their life. May this person feel safe in this world. Live in peace. Now just expand and radiate out these qualities of metta to all beings everywhere, human beings, non-human beings, all creatures. This includes beings being born and beings dying. May all beings everywhere be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Free from fear and worry and anxiety. Free from hunger, thirst, and the ravages of climate change. May all beings be able to take care of themselves or be cared for lovingly by others. And may we all know peace. And just let these thoughts of goodwill and kindness and friendliness just radiate out from you. Just let it become you.
Now be with your breath. Be aware of each in-breath and each out-breath. And really be aware, pay attention to your breathing. Just know what's going on. Is it a long breath, a short breath? You'll notice each breath is a little different. Some are shallow, some are deep. Be aware of all of your senses, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your tongue, your skin, and the the mind. We include the mind as a sixth sense. So be aware of the thoughts that arise. Don't focus on them, don't feed them. But just be aware of those thoughts arising. We don't repress them, but we don't need to feed them with our attention. We can just observe those thoughts and let them go. Observe the other senses at work, but just be aware Don't begin to make judgments or have opinions. Just allow it to be. Let the focus be on what arises within you if you see reactions arising. Just observe them. Be aware of any tension in your body. Try to let go and relax. If you notice a spot that feels tense, you can imagine breathing into that spot and then releasing that tension on the out-breath. 
as we come to the end of our practice, through the merit of our actions and our efforts, may everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but but also for the benefit of all living beings. Thank you. So join us with the chanting in the in the book. It's on page it begins on page four. Namo Tase Bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambudase Namo Tase Bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambudase Namo Tase Bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambudase Budang Saranang Gachami Damang Saranang Gachami Sangang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Budang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Damang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Budang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Damang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Anicca Vata Sankara Upadavaya Dhammino Upajitva Nirojanti Te Sang Vupasamosuko Sape Santa Avera Hontu Sape Santa Abhya Paja Hontu Sape Santa Aniga Hontu Sape Santa Sukiyatanam Pariharantu Mano Pupangemadama Mano Seta Mano Maya 
Manasache padutena Pasatiwa karotiwa Tato nam dukkha manweti Chakang wawaha topadam Mano Pupangamadama Mano Seta Mano Maya Manasache Pasanena Pasatiwa Karotiwa Tato Manweti Chaya Ana Paini. Mind is a forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. If with a corrupted mind one should either speak or act, suffering follows caused by that, as does the wheel follow the ox's hoof. Mind is a forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. If with a clear and confident mind one should either speak or act, happiness follows caused by that, as one shadow that never leaves. We believe in generosity toward others, We believe the skillful, noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice, and this practice allows us to become more open, accepting, and forgiving. We believe extending generosity to ourselves and others is a direct way of healing division, bringing joy, and nurturing the spiritual community for years to come. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those who have lost their light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. I was uh, looking at email, and I found a newsletter from Spirit Rock Center, which is in California. And they were talking about a year-long program they're beginning. It's online, and it takes a full year to cover it. And it's a, a year of a year of dying, a year a year before dying training. And it's based on Stephen Levine's book, which was really uh, 
very popular several years ago, but it was written with the thought that you had one year to live. How would you live it? And um, they're doing a one-year training using that book as a base, uh, training for a year. And I was, I, I haven't read the book, but I, it's always been on my to-do list. But I was thinking, uh, it's a great, it's a great idea. And the thing that uh, I was thinking of was the a year of studying the eightfold path. And there's so there are enough teachings to really fill that year. And uh, it the eightfold path keeps popping up in in my world a lot. <laughs> so I know in the book group we've read how many books that include the eightfold path. We've read. Gil Fransdale and Bhikkhu Bodhi, and I know there are others who, Ayakema, it's in her book that we're reading now. So we've, we've really done that a lot. And uh, in the art and sutta class that we just started last week, that we're using the Eightfold Path for our art subjects. So it's uh, with the things, one of the simplest books, and it still is one of my favorites is Gil Fransdale's book, Steps to Liberation. And it's very short, and it's, you know, the print's even big. And it's, uh, and we would use it, this for sutta study too. We also used it to help us work through uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi's book <laughs> when it was so complex for us. But the, the one thing about this that makes, it's such a small book, but the one thing that makes it almost a year, you could, you can, uh, study it in a year is what he has at the end of each little chapter he has reflect reflections and practices for each of the eight and then he does nine and ten he includes not there there you may not have known there are extra steps that are added often added to the eightfold path and that's right right knowledge and right release so if you make it through the samadhi, the right concentration, then the next steps are to, you know, you, you do get the wisdom and the insight. You're on your way to becoming enlightened. I mean, not, this is not from making one round of the eightfold path. This is from living it probably for many, many lifetimes. But then right, right, uh, knowledge is that wisdom and insight. And then right release is the, the actual uh, becoming an arahant or reaching nibbana. So this little book could be a year because his reflections for each each chapter. So I, I had one I thought was I, some of the ones that I just wanted to share with you. He has at the end of the chapter for each one uh, different reflections and practices. And he wants you to spend a week with each one. So for each, each of the eight, and you've, then you've got nine and ten, you've got four weeks. He gives you four weeks to work with it. And the reflections are, are wonderful. In the, in the art class, we're, we're, we're not going to have even, you know, with the, with, we won't have a week for each one. We won't, we won't have a week for each, each, uh, step. So when we get to the right mindfulness, so does everybody in here know the Eightfold Path? 
well-versed? How many people are not very familiar with the Eightfold Path? Okay, so if you're visiting or new or it hasn't been a focus for you, that's, that's understandable. It's, it takes a while. Um, but the Eightfold Path, that the, the path is what the, what the Buddha set up, and it, if you're taking the precepts, you really need to be, become familiar and work with the Eightfold Path. Because when we do the, uh, when we take refuge and we understand the Four Noble Truths, the Fourth Noble Truth is the, the solution to suffering. That's what Buddha was looking for. And that solution is living that Eightfold Path. So he gives us very clear directions down to how we need to live our everyday lives. And, uh, I recently have been reading more about different, different translations and different ways people talk about it. And the, the word, the, the, the eight parts of the path are creating the conditions in your life. So having an end to suffering, you're setting it up. You're setting up, this is the process. These are the conditions I'm creating that my life will become. And gradually it becomes more and more uh, that those those eight parts of the path are just part of who you are. And it's not, a, it's not labor anymore. It's just what you've given, the gifts you've given yourself. And other teachers talk about uh, the images of stirring these, each of the parts of the path as you study one or work with one. You're always just... Uh, folding it in with what you already know. And it's like a, a cooking metaphor, a simile. So you're, you're gently getting, you know, when you make muffins, you don't beat them too much, right? Because then it, it ruins the batter. And so they talk about these uh, conditions that you're just folding into your own life. So um, they really are a beautiful part of the teachings, and they are literally the path that the Buddha created or designed for us to uh, help help it help us. This is the path. So this we we have to live the path. We can't just know it academically. Uh, we have to be living it, really focused on it. But I wanted to share some of the reflections. Right effort. So we know there are four parts to right effort, and we use this effort uh, a lot in our meditation, and we use it in our daily life. So the, the, the first week is just looking at the effort of preventing. So you, you're working with preventing any new defilements coming in. And we, we work on uh, knowing what what we're working, right effort, is regarding working with our mind to purify our minds. So you spend a whole week on preventing. Uh, Choose to avoid one thing this week that you know is a catalyst for the arising of unskilled states in you. Notice the benefits and cost of practicing avoidance. What do you learn about yourself through this practice? This is, this is a whole week. In addition, twice during the week, spend a two-hour period of time practicing 
safeguarding yourself at the sense doors. This is the practice of staying attentive enough to the stimulus you receive that you can avoid reacting negatively. And so he's, there, he's detailing how to create, how to develop right effort. And I think that's, a, I love that one because, uh, you know, this is a constant process because we're, we're, we're wanting to be on guard from letting new things in that are, that become defilements in our, in our life. And usually that's, they're very weak points. You know, we feel like, oh, I know I do this and I react to this all the time, but I just can't, you know, I can't help it. We sometimes just, I can't help it. It makes me mad or it makes me get angry. And we have all of our reasons and rationales. And he's giving us the steps within the steps to really look at and practice with each aspect of the path. And it's, I think it would be a good thing to tackle for a year because otherwise you're only, we're only glossing over, over and over every time we study this path. We're kind of glossing over what it means. Um, and one, okay, right action. I'll just read one thing from this. So he taught for right action, he's talking the week one is intentions for action. While you may rarely, if ever, act on intentions to cause harm, do you have thoughts, wishes, or impulses toward others that would cause harm if acted upon? So do you scheme about how you can get something before someone else gets it? Do you take advantage of people's time and goodwill? Do you have thoughts, fantasies, or desires for sexual relations with inappropriate people? So he gets into the down and dirty. You know, he's really... <laughs> a lot of stuff you'd want you'd to look at. You'd need the week to be, have enough privacy to... You know, and you're really having to look at it. During the week, also spend some time putting yourself in other people's shoes. Imagine yourself in their situation. How might this shift the intentions you have toward them? And then he has four. So you've got a month worth of weeks for every one of these steps. And they're the clearest that I've seen where someone says, here's how, we're gonna, here's how you can work on this. So... Um, I wanted to, all of you have enjoyed the beautiful uh, windows, but you probably are not used to the way they're, uh, the wording. So this is, this is the way, one, one, one of the most well-known monks who, harm, who uh, translated the Eightfold Path with these expressions is Bante, Dr. Bhante Punaji. And he's, he's been to the temple a couple of times. He, he passed away a few years, uh, he passed away several, maybe five years ago. And um, he was really an incredible monk and an incredible teacher. So more and more I see other translators using the word harmonious 
as opposed to right. So we're used to the Noble Eightfold Path and uh, using right, uh, right view, right intentions, right action, right uh, speech, right livelihood, and right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And when you're trying to see things more and more non-dualistic, having right, right, right on everything, it really reinforces there's the right and the, everything else is wrong. But using harmonious, which is, an, is a good translation, and I think it, we're seeing it a lot more these days, is uh, talking about how these things not only fold into each other and create more harmony, but they're, they're harmonious with the way we, we want to see our world become. In, in that harmonious, caring, uh, friendly, recognizing our connections. Uh-huh. It makes me think about how right is kind of one color. And everybody, you say red, and everybody imagines the red color, right? Where when you say harmonious, you have to mix another aspect of something into it. So it makes you think in different colors, right? Yeah. And it's in, it's a, yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, that balance. I like the color image, that's really good. Like we're all seeing a range, range of colors with everything. So the word uh, appropriate is sometimes used, but I think harmonious is beautiful because it does, it it is leading to balance. So it's it's the it's the path to equanimity. So um, that's why the the word that's his translations have been used, and um, now they're all up. So he, let's see. He, and when you see a chart, this, this isn't a pretty chart, but when you see, usually when you see Bhante Punaji's charts in his books, he's, it's, it's not that, it's not that uh, decorative. <laughs> but you have to start at the bottom, and he's got lots of notes and things on the side. But you start at the bottom going up. But as, as we all understand once we begin studying the Eightfold Path, we... It's not circular, and it's not linear. We're, we study it in a linear way, just for convenience. But we're working on all of these parts. That we're, we're, we're full of it all the time. When we, when we listen to talks, we're picking up aspects from all different parts, and we're mixing it all in. Yeah, Karen? Yeah, that word.
Yeah, it's good to, and it's, and we also talk about it being divided into wisdom and action and uh, meditation. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's a good, that's good, that's good training to have a, have a way you, rem- you remind yourself every day. So, uh, harmonious, let's see, harmonious perspective is what we, we're, we, I think harmonious perspective, even harmonious view. So he calls it, he even changes the word view to our perspective, which I, I like that too. Harmonious orientation, right, in t- is what we have called right intentions. And that orientation can always be the same. That orientation is always do no harm, be, be, be present with loving kindness, and uh, what's the other one? What's the renunci? Oh, right, and renunciation. So harmonious speech is right speech, harmonious action, harmonious lifestyle, harmonious exercise for right effort. And that was confusing. For a while we were struggling trying to figure out what right exercise what right harmonious exercise was. But effort is right effort is that that moving forward for being really persistent. So it is uh it it, it is, it takes energy. And harmonious attention, which is right mindfulness, and harmonious equilibrium, which is right concentration. So he's changed the words to to uh, to fit. But we're, whether we see it in a circle or a line or however we imagine it visually, or or the way we learn to memorize it, we're we're always working. We're always in one or, or another, or all at the same time. One one teacher said the eightfold path. You can imagine it as a uh, not as just a nice separate. It's more like an eight lane super highway. And you could add ten, I guess, if you had the other two. So it's everything's all moving at the same time. Everything's you know right there. Uh, so it's good to study it separately, but then know that it's all coming at you at the same time. And also, all the opportunities are with you all the time. And if you if you if you set up a year of study with this, working with those steps every week, you're you're definitely going to have it in your mind. You're going to have one aspect that you're working with uh, mentally and in your behavior all the time. So I think. That's all the time we have. Buddha kids haven't started marching upstairs. Like you can, you can hear them when they come. Does anybody else have a comment or a question? I just want to say I love these friends that are following the eightfold path for an Right. I loved. I love finding that too. It had the same effect for me. We create those conditions, and then 
when things when things arise, which the conditions will be right, what we need and helpful. I hear the. <laughs> Oh, it's called Steps to Liberation, and it's by Gil, G-I-L, Fronsdale, F-R-O-N. I think we keep it in the, in the bookstore. But you can get it, uh, you can, you can get every part of it online, too. <laughs>